0: Okay, this is Palm Sunday, so it's the week before Easter. This is the week that, uh, where Jesus was celebrated, riding into town, preparing for uh, the date that he was going to uh, have in his destiny to rescue all of mankind. So today is the day where Jesus was celebrated in Jerusalem But a week from now will be the day where that he is crucified in Jerusalem. So there is a season in our life that we can have joy and there are seasons of sorrow. How many can attest to that? Have you ever had a season of joy and have you ever had a season of sorrow? And usually it comes in waves that way and I've discovered throughout my life and the life that I've lived, that when those seasons come, the best thing you can do is learn how to endure. Because the Bible says that those endure to the end, they shall be saved. So we need to learn how to endure. And some of those seasons come, and, and sometimes we don't want that season to get here. When we realize that that moment that we can feel something's off. Is anybody else following me? There's, there's a season where that it seems like you can just sense that something is happening, something's changing, something's moving, and it's not for the good. <laughs> it seems like something bad's going to happen, and you just got an urgency that you can feel that. When those urgencies come and those moods and those, uh, uh, the feelings that we have, that we know it's coming, it puts us into different moods and modes. Some people deal with it in depression. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been depressed. Has anybody else here ever been depressed? Amen? Depression is a real issue. Anxiety is a real issue. And it's something that we deal with on a human level, and God knows us right where we're at. I don't believe we need to be ashamed of our moods and our emotions. If God created us as a being that has body, soul, and spirit, then I believe he knows us better than we know ourselves. And I believe if these moods and these seasons and these waves of seasons comes upon our life, that God is in control of them all. I believe he knows our end from our beginning, the Bible declares. He knows where we're going to end up. And whenever we come into these seasons, it's just like the the book of Job. If you go back and study the book of Job and read it, you'll see that Job had severe bouts with depression. He had severe bouts with anxiety, of loneliness, of these issues going on. But one thing we can be sure and rest confident in is that God will not leave us there. God will not leave us there. If these seasons happen and these things come upon us, we should just look to the heavens and say, God, you are my God, just like Job did. And Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How much trust do you have in God? It's my question for you today. How much do you trust God? Do you trust him beyond your depression? Do you trust him beyond your anxiety? Do you trust him beyond your pain? So at this moment in this season that we're in here as we're studying through this gospel of John and John's life that he's living, in John chapter 16 we'll read these few verses, and I want us to see that Jesus was battling some of the battles that we've battled. Amen? The name of the title of this sermon series is Amen. So let's read. Let's stand while we read. I'm supposed to stand while we read. John sixteen, verses sixteen through twenty four. It says, In a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, What does he mean when he says, In a little while you won't see me, but you will see me, and I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Verse 19, Jesus realized. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, Jesus realizes." He does. He realizes that that what they were saying. In a little bit, you won't see me, but then you'll see me again, and I'm going to the Father. Jesus realized they wanted to. Okay, go to the next place. And I ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? Anybody ever ask yourself? See, the disciples were asking themselves. They didn't go to Jesus and ask. They were asking themselves. I want to tell you today: you don't have your answers. What's the name of this sermon series? You don't have the answers for your life. You don't have the key and 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 uh, the key to your life. Jesus has that. So they was asking themselves and. They, no, what Jesus said, in a little while you don't see me, but again, I'll tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you will have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. i tell you the truth. You ask the Father directly and he will grant you your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name. And you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I ask you for open hearts and open minds. God, I pray that you would deal with our issues in this room today. And God, for those of us that constantly look to our own mind, our own will, our own emotions for answers in this life, God, I pray today that you would change our hearts to begin to look to you. The Bible declares that you're the author and the finisher of our faith. God, you've already wrote out our story. Help us to get in line with what you want us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. You can be seated. Our surfing on earth will be nothing Our suffering on earth will be nothing compared to the joy and peace we will experience in eternity. I've heard multiple preachers say before that this life is just a dressing room preparing us for the afterlife. And The Bible talks about that this life is but a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it's done away. A vapor doesn't stay around forever. You can you can create steam and it comes into the atmosphere. And when that steam from water turns into steam, it's just there for a moment and then it dissipates into the rest of, of, of uh, all the air. This life that we live is like a vapor. And some of us live long lives, some of us live shorter lives. The Bible says that it's appointed a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So the key component we need to understand here on this earth is if we live our whole life understanding that eternity is going to be a lot longer than what we've lived here, this life won't mean much. And if this life don't mean much to us, then we won't live this life for ourselves, but we'll live it according to what God's word says that we should live. remember my Sunday school teacher once singing a song that she had wrote about eternity with Jesus. Eternity with Jesus. And the words of that song that she sang, it always brought it back that it was eternity with Jesus. And I just wonder In this room today, how many of us truly live our lives throughout the remainder of the weeks thinking about, pondering on, perplexed about eternity with Jesus? How many of us prepare to meet him? We have 168 hours in a week, and we give one hour To come to the church and learn about God, is that enough? Absolutely not. I don't think that we can give one 168th of our week to God and think that we're doing Him a service. And it isn't the church's responsibility to to cuddle you and coddle you. And if you've been saved for m- multiple years or several years, it isn't the, ju- the church's job to pacify you. Amen. Amen. So you can't get to heaven someday and say, well, Pastor Ben didn't put a big bottle in my mouth, God. It, it was his fault. He he didn't teach me enough. Amen. I was only around him an hour a week. There you go. It's as simple as that. God's word... It's what sustains us. His word empowers us. His word emboldens us. His word gives us the ability to do things that we couldn't do without understanding his word. So I'm asking you today, how much time do you spend thinking about God? I love history. I, I get caught up in history. I can, I can start studying history and thinking about history, and I, I will spend hours and hours and hours studying about history. I can get in genealogy and go on Ancestry.com and spend hours. You can ask Leslie, just hours upon hours and hours looking at Ancestry.com, trying to find my ancestors. And when I see their name, I ponder about who was they and what was their life like. Most usually people that I run into contact with and I'll I'll ask them, well, who was your great-grandpa or your great-great-grandpa? Most people don't know. My own quest to figure out my family tree, my grandpa didn't know his grandpa. He didn't even know his name. I believe people are important to God. If you can read through this Bible and get bored by reading names, that means you don't care much about people. I've never thought of it that way before. Most people get caught up when they re- try to read through their Bible and they'll get to so-and-so, got so-and-so, begot so-and-so, got so-and-so. Anybody ever done that? And you're like, man, I'm sick of this. I- I'm over reading these names. Amen? I'm talking about honesty. We can be honest in God's house. It's, it's like, man, this is boring. Those were people. And the reason God had them to write them down is to show the lineage of families and how the family matters. So today, as I think about this message, that it's good, it's a... Uh, it's Palm Sunday as we're, we're leading up to Easter weekend and, and as we're getting ready for Good Friday. And you know, this Palm Sunday, they're laying the palm branches down and Jesus is, is coming into town on a donkey and they're saying, Hosanna, save us, the people of Israel. They knew their genealogy people in that crowd knew what tribe they was from. They knew their history so much that each one of them could have said, I'm from so-and-so's tribe, from so-and-so's tribe, from so-and-so's tribe. And in our culture that we live in today, we don't even know our
1: great-grandparents.
0: I blame this on entertainment. I loved it last week when I saw that Amy posted a picture about Earl's grandpa, Joe Bud. And she had the kids over there, and Joe Bud was sitting there in that chair and singing out of a a hymnal. That's generational stuff that needs to happen. Landon and Natalie needs to hear Papal Joe Bud pre- singing the gospel songs, so that they know that he was a gospel man. He was a Christian individual. And if we're so caught up in entertainment that it's always about entertainment and entertainment and em- entertainment, there's nothing wrong with it. I like being entertained myself. But I'm saying, is it a priority? Whenever we leave this earth. Are the, is people going to say, man, they've they done a really good job of entertaining people? Yeah. We need to understand that as Jesus was here, he wasn't here as an entertainer. Sure, the crowds flocked and people come running to see what Jesus did when he did miracles. And it's the same way today. If God starts pouring out miracles in church services, watch the people come they will flock from miles and fly around the world to come and see a, a miracle happen in a church service today. The Browns River Revival in 1994 on Father's Day, whenever he had been praying and, and praying and praying, uh, Pastor Kilpatrick, for, for a couple years for revival to hit that church. And that day on... on uh, Uh, Father's Day of 1994 when God's glory poured out on that platform and people began to be healed people began to be set free and people crying and begging for mercy at the altar people come from all over the world more than 6 million people flew to Florida to see a revival and if 6 million came I wonder if 6 million walked away entertained or 6 million walked away changed Do you come to church to be entertained or do you come to church to be changed? What if we got up one Sunday morning and said, you know what? I didn't accomplish last week probably what I should have and I didn't do as much for God as I should have. So this week, guess what? I'm going to come to God's house and pray that God will change me during the church service that I'll act different next week than I did last week. Jesus... not there to entertain you. Jesus is here today in our service to change you. But one thing's for sure that I'm very confident of that if you won't let him change you, he won't. The choice is yours. the choice is yours, the choice is mine. And if I want to do different things, if God's word begins to awaken on the inside of me and tell me that I'm not living as good as I should, it's time for change. This whole sermon series about the amen through the, the gospel of John has shown me that Jesus was not an entertainer. He, he just, he's not here to entertain you. His disciples was worried about, well, what's he saying? He's going to be here for a little while, and he's going away for a while. What's he talking about? I don't understand that. Jesus, you're you're here with us right now, and, and you know, we've been watching all this happen, and we're we're the special 12. We're special. Can you imagine Jesus sitting there looking at them on this Palm Sunday? riding into town, and people saying, save us, save us, save us. And they didn't know what they was asking. I think when they were saying, save us, they were thinking, entertain us. They were saying, become a king and set upon a throne and rule the earth so that we can be in charge as a nation. That's the reason they was crying out, save us, is so that they could receive power. And Jesus is sitting on that, I can imagine him riding on that donkey and thinking in his mind, what are you meaning save us? And you're thinking this way, and you're thinking of me becoming a king, but you don't really see and understand that next week I'm going to be hanging on a tree where I can truly save you. You know why Jesus had to go on that tree? You know why he had to endure the cross of Calvary? Because you couldn't. If you think you can weasel your way out of God with your sin, you're fooling yourself. And if you think you're going to boldly stand before God someday and say, I lived how I wanted, I did what I wanted, and I, I can do whatever I want to do, and someday I'll stand before you and I'll tell you that I, I, made, my, I made it right. I, I was b- more, more good than I was bad. That's what humanity teaches us today. That's what culture teaches us today. Well, they're a pretty good person. There is no good person. Paul says there was no not not one good. None. Paul says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There isn't a person in this room that's good enough to make heaven. And I'm kind of like Paul. I'm the chief among sinners. And the sooner we understand that, the better off we are. Because the sooner I see that I can't get to heaven without Jesus and during the cross of Calvary in my place, in my place, not for the world, for me. I couldn't make heaven if it wasn't for Jesus. So as they're crying out, Hosanna, save us, they're thinking, entertain us, and Jesus is saying, you don't understand what you're asking for, and you're going to get it next week. I'm sure his disciples was the ones laying the, 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 the palm branches down, Ernie. I'd say they was the ones right in front of the charts just crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Not understanding that God's plan a whole lot different than ours. I said God's plan is a whole lot different than ours. 99% of the time we miss it. It's 99.999. I'd say there's very little chance that you ever hit it right. Our plans are not his plans. And when God is saying, I will save you, but it's not going to be like you think. I truly believe here today for us that some of us has been crying out for God to save us from some things, but truly what we're asking for is him to entertain us. So I'm asking us today, Quit being entertained by God and start being changed by God. Can I say it again? Quit being entertained by God and start being changed by God. One thing that we as a leadership team and here at this church when when we meet together From time to time when we talk about some things that's happening at Bethesda and some ways of things that's happening at Bethesda and, and what's going on, one thing we always ask about is this. is RTLs. It's called A Radically Transformed Life. And as a leadership model for this church, it's always our job and our responsibility that we want to see God radically transform lives. You don't know what it's like to be a pastor of a church and endure some of the uh, things that happens. It's unbelievable. If you got my text message, if I could just divert them and forward them to your phone for a month's time, you would see what it's like to be a pastor. I thank God that we have pastor appreciation days, pastor wives' appreciation days. You know why? Because they endure the blunt of most of it. Whenever things happen, Leslie's one worried about it. I just, she says, you're like a duck. You just let that roll off your back. How do you do that? I don't know. I just do it. I'm not worried about it. Radically transformed lives. But the most joyous moments are the moments when somebody says, texts you and says, hey, Pastor Ben, I was reading in this book, and I don't know what it means. Can you help me? That's the best moment of my life as a pastor, is to be able to help somebody hear something from the Word of God. I love it whenever we get texts from Pete's not been with us for a couple weeks and he's out of town and he's working and he's away from his family. Pete's a radically transformed life. Right, Melissa? If you would have seen the Pete Maddox from a few years ago, the Pete Maddox of today, the one on January 1st that said, hey, I want to go down in the water at 30 degrees and be baptized. You couldn't have held him down and took him in there with a crane to dip him in water, in 30 degree water, a few years ago. That's a radically transformed life. And I love it that he texts us and he, he, he puts us in a group and he says, hey, Leslie, can, can you get me some songs that we listen to at church so that I can, I can endure up here this season of my life? I don't think it's permanent. I don't think Pete is supposed to work out of town the rest of his life in Pennsylvania and have to drive and miss his family and Mr. Ball Games. He loves his kids. As a church, how many of you have been praying for Pete Maddox because he's out of town working? Or how many of you even know Pete Maddox? Here's about a church. A church is somebody that knows each other and prays for each other and endures with each other the troubles and afflictions we have as a group collectively. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not worried about Pete Maddox because I do worry about Pete Maddox. I know what it's like whenever you're a new Christian and trying to live the faith and being absent from your body, to be absent from the church. I've done it. I've worked shutdowns for months at a time where I missed church, and I really missed it. Are we being entertained? Or are we being changed? And one thing for sure is if the devil sees somebody being changed, he's going to do everything he can to prevent that. If you just come in here and say it with your sleepy eyes and just just uh, enduring, man, just entertainment. Leslie, play better music next week. I'm just okay, yep. I'll raise my hand and act like I care, but I don't. If you're just lulled asleep and don't matter in a church service, the devil ain't going to fight you. But if you come in here with the purpose of saying, God, I've been with you last week and I didn't do enough and I feel like I'm not worthy to be in your house today, but I want to be changed today, God. I want something to happen on the inside of me today. I want to walk out equipped to do ministry next week. And whenever you come in the doors and you get into praise and worship and you listen to the word of God and you're not falling asleep and you're paying attention and trying to do your best and saying, God, change me. And your whole service is about, God, change me today. The enemy will fight you. He will fight your radically transformed life. Because he don't like it very much, knowing you're going to go to heaven and he never gets that chance. Every person in this room has got a chance today to go to heaven. But the decision is yours. Are you going to be changed or are you going to look for entertainment? I'm so thankful for our youth pastors that don't entertain youth, they train youth. There's a difference. I've seen youth groups that went off of entertainment, and sure they can get more kids. Sure they can have 75 kids and everybody there being entertained, but if they're not being changed, is it ministry? I don't think so. thankful for children's pastors that cares enough about the kids to try to lead a team to do ministry for children here at Bethesda. If you know the weight of that upon Amy, Amy and Earl's shoulders, you don't even understand. Every time somebody new comes to the team for Amy and says, you know what, Amy, I'm willing to help with the kids that we could do ministry to kids because kids matter to Bethesda because kids matter to God. Usually somebody else drops off the team. Every time somebody new has come and volunteered to help, somebody that had been helping drops off. So she never gets ahead. Is this true, Earl? You know who's got to hear it at home? Earl Brown. Amy, all night, laying awake, what are we going to do next week? So-and-so's out of town, so-and-so's doing this, it's absent. We ain't going to have nobody at Kentucky Heights to do children's ministry. What are we going to do? You know what Amy Brown does? She gets up and she comes to this service and then goes to that service and serves there too. You know why? Because she loves kids. And it isn't selfishness with her. It isn't thinking, well, Nat Nat and Landon has to have a service. It's about the kids of Lewis County, and she cares that they're going to go to hell. If somebody doesn't preach and teach them, they're going to go to hell. And if you don't believe generations can change within just a moments of time, I, you, maybe you ain't got your eyes open. Because if you would go to the high school and listen to what they listen to and look at what they look at and hear what they hear, you would know what they're dealing with. And I, I feel sorry for you teenagers. I really do as a pastor. I didn't endure what you endured today when I was in school. And I feel sorry for it. But I'm glad that somebody loves them enough to every Tuesday say, they're come to hear about Jesus. Don't ever entertain them, Dusty. I never, ever entertain them. Promote change, because that's what they need. What they're doing at school, you don't even know, people. Most kids by the year eight years old have already saw things on the Internet multiple, multiple, multiple times that no kid eight years old a hundred years ago would have ever saw. If you think it ain't the enemy trying to set up a generation to do away with God in our land, it ain't just about America. I'm talking about the world going to hell in a handbasket. And unless somebody gets involved and says ministry is worth it and the next generation is worth it, and you know what? That's what we're about at Bethesda anyway. Promoting change. read a book a while back that talks about that people, it's called change agents. That there's people that want change for the sake of change. This happens in our government every so many years. It's like we elect this, this group, it'll be Republican, and we're, they'll run on change. We're going to change Washington and they'll go into Washington for their eight years, and then next thing you know, the next wave comes, and people get sick of them. They say, okay, we're going to change. We want to change. They say change for the sake of change, but they never change anything. How many are sick of Washington? How many are sick of politics? This is a political year. I'm sick, of, I'm sick to death of politics. I thank God that we live in a land where we can vote and my grandpa had to suffer the price and pay three and a half years of his life in a in a prison camp so that I could have a right to vote. I thank God for that. Okay. But I'm sick of people saying they're changing and nobody changing. How many's ever been sick of a politician who said they was going to change something that they Amen. didn't? Amen. Look at it this now na- look at it this way now. Think about it from God's perspective. As somebody that looks up to him week after week and says, God, I want to change. But he never changed nothing. I don't want to change. But I don't want to change anything. I want to change and be the same. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus did change something. here's what I want to paint this picture today is all those people in that Old Testament that wrote down who their grandpa was and their grandma was and their great grandpa was and they know their whole lineage about their past they knew everything about their past but they knew very little about their present or their future looking at a church full of people today that all we think about is all the pain we've been through. All the heartache we've endured. All the struggles that we've faced. And our past haunts us on a daily basis. And we spend very little time thinking about what am I supposed to do right now? And what's my future going to be? I believe we should honor the past. I'm not talking about doing away with people and not paying attention to what people have done. I thank God for the forefathers of my faith. I thank God for those that are missionaries that traveled around the world that went spreading the gospel of Jesus. That you know how they used to ship themselves out as missionaries? Our missionaries today face troubles. And we talked about her a few weeks ago that we're going to do a care package for her. You know what happened to her yesterday? A bomb went off outside of her house. Pretty real. But these people back then in the early, early parts of the Assemblies of God, Ernie, you know how they would endure their affliction when they got called to the missionary field? They would buy a coffin. And they would ship their clothes and their belongings in that coffin to the nation where they was going. Because they knew, I'm never coming home. That's what I call a change agent. I'm gonna change so much I'm not gonna stay the same. The leader of the assembly of God today, George Wood, his parents buried their baby on foreign soil during a missionary journey in China. He anguishes about that. You'll hear him talking about it in his sermons from time to time about how that his little brother, Ernie, died on foreign soil because his mom and dad was trying to promote the gospel of Jesus. And if he would have been in America, in the comforts of America, they would have had him in the hospital and he would have survived. And yet we, how transformed are we? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm waiting radically transform lives I want that to be a season for us after this Easter weekend I want that to be a season at Bethesda that we're not about being entertained we're about changing if, if there's anything I've learned from this sermon series right here through the gospel of John it's this Jesus didn't entertain he promoted change and if that little girl right there has a hope of ever in, having a church Someday that she can be a part of. It's up to you to keep this church's lights on. You care enough about her. You know some preachers doc, don't let them walk around. Keep them huddled up in a nursery. I thank God that she gets to walk around. I love Lily. I love it that she's so uh, independent. She's like I don't need my mom. I just walk across the back. there's your future little Aiden comes here uh, uh, little Brantley uh, you know it's like I love it and it gives me hope that there's change can happen in our county the only way our county is going to be changed is if we're willing to be changed and I'm talking to some seasoned saints in this room today been at it a while if you've been saved more than 10 years, more than a decade I, wanna, I, want, I want to ask you today as your pastor will you commit you want to be changed all over again I want to be changed I don't want to be entertained it's not about flashing lights or who's got the best band or anything else it's about being changed and the way to change is go back into a headstand with Lily Jesus paid it all all to him I owe to your church today Lord Jesus your word has been preached Lord we're just like those disciples Lord that some of the things you say to us we don't understand Lord that we can't make sense out of those things in our life Lord when you said you was going to go away your disciples didn't understand Lord it's the same way for us whenever you say in John chapter 14 that you would go away and that you would prepare mansions for us and you talked about heaven Lord sometimes we don't understand so Jesus I ask you today put eternity in our hearts Lord let us leave an eternal difference upon our county God, I pray today for the people in this room, Lord, that you've been radically transforming their life. There's multiple ones in this room. We pointed out Pete. and But, Lord, I know that there's several across this room today. Lord, that you've been radically transforming their lives. In the last three, four, five years of their life, here as they've been coming to Bethesda, Lord, that their lives have been changed. Lord, that they don't look at the world at the same light they used to. But, Lord, they look with a heavy heart and know that this next generation is facing battles. Lord, I thank you for our grandmas that's here. That lay awake and late into the wee hours of the night praying for their grandkids and their grandkids as friends in their schools. Lord, I thank you for Sister Joanne for the role model she is to our church. Lord, help us to change. Holy Spirit do what only you can do. Lord, you said in your word that you're near to those of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Lord, I know that there's people in this room today that's battling depression. They're battling anxiety. They're battling fear. But Lord, you overcame the world. Lord, you hung on that cross at Calvary to change the Lord help them to see this is just a season and give them the power to endure looking around, everybody bow your head, close your eyes is there anybody here that'll say, Pastor Ben this message today has spoke to me and I'm tired of seeking entertainment, I want to be changed is there anybody here that'll raise your hand and say I want to be changed Father I thank you for those that raised their hand Lord you saw them and you know them Lord I pray you change them You raised your hand today and you want prayer, I want you to come up here. I want to pray with you. The Bible talks about in James chapter 5 that we are to lay hands on those that are hurting. If you raised your hand, I want you to get out and walk up here. Don't be afraid. Just come on up. Even if you didn't raise your hand, if you want to come up, come up. I want to pray. And I want to anoint you with oil because the Bible says that this is what to do. Come on up. Come on. There's others that need to walk up here. Even if you didn't raise your hand.
1: Listening. speak to me speak to me speak
0: upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you